like it's important for us to reiterate the vision of the church. We have lots of new people here. I was talking to uh, Sonny Gano uh, this last week, and Sonny said, last time I came to church, I didn't know anybody there. And I know he was making a general statement, but he, what he was saying was there's a lot of new people there. Um, and as I'm pastoring, I guess I just realized that transitions happen and people come and people go. And so we do have a lot of guests with us and um, people who have partnered with us. And uh, we just want to today share some from the word about what the Lord's doing here at Christian Life. And if sh- the Lord should uh, so desire to allow you to be part of that, we would love to have you. But I would just want to entitle our time together this morning, Run With The Vision. Run With The Vision. So Father, as we come before you today and we get into the word, we get into what you've laid on our heart here, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would be the one that energizes, the one who brings to life the things that you put in our heart. And we do thank you, Father, for the things that you have put on our heart. We ask that you would continue to quicken them, bring them to life. And Lord, as Jane mentioned earlier, the dreams that you've put in people's hearts, you didn't just give us dreams so we could say we have a dream. Um, like Martin Luther, he said, I have a dream, but he didn't just say it, he acted on it. And I pray for all of your people, the body of Christ, that you are giving visions and dreams to in this last day, Lord, that you would fulfill them. Lord, you are the one that's behind the provision for them. You're the one that's going to bring clarity to them. And I pray for each one in this room today, Lord, as they are sensing your prompting and direction, there comes that time, Lord, where they have to step from what they have been doing and the comfortableness of that into the unknown of what lies ahead and where that's going to lead them and how you, God, will be the one that will unfold all the needs that are there for that dream. And so, Father, I pray that when that time comes for each one in this room, that you would give us uh, just a holy push to step over the line and just to be able to do what you've called us to do, and we thank you for it. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to be part of the body of Christ in the last days, aren't you? These are exciting days. We're going to see some of the greatest signs and wonders that have ever occurred in the history of humanity. Listen to this. For thousands of years, the church has been around, but you are going to get to see some of the greatest signs and wonders in all the world. God's always looking for people who will call upon him. Amen? Uh, A people who will bend their ear toward heaven and heed the commands of heaven as Jesus did when he said, I do nothing but what I see my heavenly Father do. He's looking for people who will abandon self-will and their earthly passions for the sake of his kingdom. And I'm going to use that word kingdom over and over again because kingdom and church should be the same thing. But the kingdom of God, Jesus says, I'm wanting to build my kingdom. For too long, we have been bent on building our churches when God wants to build his kingdom. For many of us, we've linked the church and his kingdom together, and rightfully so, but the church world, as we know it, has been misguided. The church world has taken on a different persona, I believe, as a whole than what the Lord would want. That's not to say that the church is bad. I just think that the Lord's stirring the church. The Lord's messing the church up. 
I met some uh, people in a restaurant the other day, and somehow they were connected with uh, the Messianic things. And we got talking about the things of the Lord. I was with Lawrence, and they heard Lawrence talking about Messianic stuff, and so they called us over and got talking. But as, as we got talking, I, I, I shared with the people, I said, I think God, I, I just see it. It's a very visual picture for me. I don't know why, but it's a very visual picture for me that God has this great big finger, and he put it down in the church world. And it kind of looks like a cup of coffee when you first put cream in it, how you've got the, the mixture of the cream and the coffee, and you stir it up, and eventually it all becomes one color. What I see is God sticking his finger in there. It's changing the color of the coffee, or the church world, if you will, and I see him stirring that. And right now, we are in a season of blendedness, blended of kingdom and blended of tradition. And I think God is going to keep stirring and messing, of us, messing us up. Some of us raised in church all of our life, and what's happening in the church world now, we're just shaking our head going, God, we don't understand. What's going on? And, and God's messing up our tradition on purpose. God is intentionally taking down the strongholds of denominational walls. What were meant for good at one point, God's saying they're divisionary. They're causing divisiveness in the body of Christ. They're causing disunity. I'm messing that up. I'm putting my finger in there and I'm messing it up. So uh, years ago, man, if your mom and dad were Methodist, you were Methodist. And uh, your, your grandparents, and I mean... For history and centuries, they were, they were all the same denomination. They didn't know why. Just because mom and dad was, I was. But God's calling people out of the identity of denomination into the identity of his kingdom. And I don't know about you, but I want to be identified with a kingdom rather than a denomination. We often say that I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor in the assemblies of God, but my God is the God of the assemblies. And so we have to kind of put, if we, we take our denominational banner and we make that the thing that we hail and worship, we've got it backwards, we've got it messed up. And God's saying, I want to supersede all of that stuff that we've called religion and tradition, and I want my kingdom to come, and I want to set up and rule on this earth like I always intended it to be. So he's calling for a people who will boldly change what they've always done to do something that the Spirit of God is saying, now is the time for my bride to arise and be the body of Christ. The church has become a sleeping giant. We've been lulled, especially in America, by our affluence of the age and the spirit of religion that has a form of godliness. I think it was Dana in our, church, our class on Wednesday. Uh, we, were, we were talking about this life-giving flow, walking in the Spirit, and what it means to walk in the grace, grace being empowerment, that God empowers us to be the church. And she, she threw the scripture out. It's, she said it's kind of like we're the church that we, we have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power. And I said, that's exactly it. You have a form of godliness, but ask yourself, because I, I, I don't know your hearts. I've got an idea, some of you, where you're at, but ultimately, I don't know your heart. But you ask yourself this question this morning. Am I walking in the power of God? And you say, well, what does that mean, to walk in the power of God? Well, am I doing something on a daily, weekly, at least a monthly basis, there's something stirring in my life that God is doing through me that I could never have done on my own. Am, am I at the place where God is, is transforming people's lives out of his power that is flowing from me? Because if we are the body of Christ, we have the same spirit that Christ had. 
In fact, John said, as he is, meaning Jesus, so are we. So we have that in us. We have the ability to do the things. In fact, Jesus said to us himself, greater things than this shall you do. But as a church, as a church, we've relinquished ourselves to the professional guy that stands behind the pulpit. That's his job when it was never the intention. God wanted to release a body of believers. He wanted to release a priesthood of believers. And so God's wanting to do that. So I'm asking you today, so when we talk about this, is there power in your life? Have you been able to pray for the sick and see them recover? Have you been able to give until it hurts? Have you been able to share the gospel and see someone come to Christ? Have you been able to dream such big dreams that you know in your own ability there's no way, but you've stepped out and God has begun to provide? Have you done that? Are you walking in the power of God? The power of the kingdom is released through the church when we realize that it is within us but it was never meant to stay there. The power, of the, the power of God is in us but it was never meant to stay here. It was never meant to be contained. It was meant to be released. It was meant to flow. The kingdom of God according to scripture is as we know it is righteousness and what's the next one? Peace and Joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God, you say, well, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, but what is in you, if you had to identify what is in you, what that kingdom looks like, is righteousness. Are you walking in righteousness? Not depending on what you're able to do to perform, to be religious, but are you walking in the righteousness of Jesus Christ? In other words, have you understood that there's nothing in you that looks good? Jesus says, on your best day, the best things you have to offer me is a filthy rag. See, religion likes to cloak itself in self-righteousness and appear like it has a form of godliness. But there is zero power in that self-righteousness to produce the very thing that it's proclaiming to be, righteous. Jesus Christ, when he came, he lived and he died, he made us righteous by what he did on the cross. There's nothing you and I can do to be made righteous. Everything in that righteousness we have to attach to the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? So in the kingdom of God, there is righteousness, and we can only attribute that to Jesus Christ. So we have righteousness, but we have peace. And not just the hippie generation, peace, man, no war, but peace as in the peace that passes understanding, the peace that the world can't understand, the peace that says when things are falling apart in my life, it looks terrible, the bottom's dropped out, but hey, I'm in the hands of God. And I know Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. As as Pastor Nate quoted this morning, if he can take care of the sparrows, how much more will your Heavenly Father take care of you? He knows what you have need of before you ask. See, when we walk in that kind of peace, we don't have to worry about what's going on around us. Why is that important? It's really important as we're going into this season that we're going into in in our world. We are, we, whether we understand this or not, we are on a verge. I just see our, our financial system, not just in the United States, but globally, the financial system is just hanging on a toothpick. And at any point, somebody can flick that toothpick and everything crashes. We are that close. 
Some of us are just going through life like, hey, everything's good. We're oblivious to it. I want you to know we're approaching a day. If you don't know Jesus Christ and if you're not walking in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you are going to be running around grasping for straws like the one who came to the door and said, let me in, let me in, let me in. He said, hey, depart from me. I never knew you. The door's been closed. This morning we said in prayer, and the Holy Spirit dropped this into my heart, come to the Lord now, trust in the Lord now, because this is a season of grace. And in the season of grace, he demonstrates mercy to all who are coming to him for salvation. But listen, when the season of judgment comes, the only thing that can be given when judgment is there is the wrath of God. I want you to compare those two, grace and mercy, judgment, In wrath, we are coming to that day when God has to judge this earth. It's spelled out clearly in Scripture. God's going to do that. Are you ready for that? I didn't mean to get into all that this morning. But joy. And joy is not just some some little superficial... Because the joy, the Scripture says, the joy of the Lord is strength. It's the thing that fortifies you. It's the thing that causes you to smile when all hell breaks loose in your life. It's the thing that causes you to have a song in the night, as the psalmist said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David said, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. He had the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is strength. And we have all of that in the Holy Spirit. I don't know today, maybe there's somebody here today and you've come to Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your Savior, but you've never invited the power of the Holy Spirit into your life. Pastor, don't go too far here. I'm content just being saved. I'm content. Hey, I'm going to church. You ought to be happy. And you're not here to please me, right? We're here to please one person, that's the Lord. And Jesus said when he left, he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will lead you and guide you into how much truth? All truth. So it's imperative that you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, listen to me, the Holy Spirit will be your empowerment for this day and age that we're going into. If you do not have the Holy Spirit and you're trusting simply in a salvation experience and you're trusting in uh, uh, maybe a religious experience and you've never allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to partake in part of your life, you are going to be really hurting in this next day and age. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads and guides you into all truth. Let me go a step further. Some of you have heard other people speak in tongues and say, oh, that's just kind of weird stuff. Well, it may be weird, but it's of God. And some of you need to start asking God for an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that you can speak in tongues. Not just so you can say, hey, I got the tongue. The tongue is not the important thing. It's what, the tongue is just a verification of what happened in your heart. That the Holy Spirit did indeed come in to take residence and he is there indeed to give you power to uh, do some great things that you could never do on your own. So I don't know how many of you in here are baptized, as we call it, in the Holy Spirit, speaking with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but you need that. You need that. Righteousness, peace, and joy.
Any of us in this room need to ask ourselves only one question to realize the magnitude of these statements that I've made. What are we doing for the kingdom of God that requires God to come through in a big way? What are we doing for the kingdom of God that requires him to come through in a big way? Many of our brothers and sisters in the third world countries are are dying for their faith. And we wake up on a Sunday morning trying to decide if we want to go to church or not. Ah, it's looking like, you know what, there's a good football game on today. I think I'll stay home. Something's got to change in the church world. And I believe God's putting his finger on the church as a whole and asking if we're willing to abnegate our tradition for the truth. Are you willing to let go of tradition for the truth of God? We cannot continue to sit inside the four walls and hope that the world's going to somehow uh, come to us and beg for salvation. In a recent article on how non-believers view Christians, listen to some of the things they said about those Christian people. A large majority of them said Christians are against more things than they are for. This is the world's view of what the church is. You're against more things than you are for. Whether that's a reality or a perception, perception in the eyes of the perceiver is a reality, right? So it doesn't matter what you say to that individual, if that's their perception, we still need to address the perception. And they would go on to say, I wish I could find a Christian who would be willing to spend some time with me. Develop a friendship with a Christian. They really want that, believe it or not. Unbelievers. I wish I could develop a friendship with a Christian. Some of us are so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good to God. Some of us are so spiritually minded that it would take a tough thing for us to rub shoulders with some one of those unsaved people. When's the last time you hugged a drunk? When's the last time you brought a rose to a prostitute? When's the last time you cooked a dinner for your unsaved neighbors? You understand what I'm saying? Another one was, I would, I would like to learn about the Bible from a Christian, but I just don't want to go to a legalistic church to make it happen. They want to know the truth. I just don't want to go to one of those churches where everybody's legalistic. Another one would say, I don't, I don't see much difference in the way Christians live compared to what, the way other people live. Another one would say, I, I wish I could learn to be a better husband, wife, a dad, or mom from a Christian. My wife is threatening to divorce me, and I think she means it this time. My neighbor's a Christian, and he seems to have it together. I'm swallowing my pride, and I'm going to go ask him if he could help me. Wow, what a big statement. You realize there are people that their lives are falling apart and they need someone to give wisdom? If the church doesn't have the wisdom, isn't something really missing in the church? Some Christians try to act like they have no problems. Some of you do that here on Sunday morning. I mean, your homes are falling apart and you come here and you got a great big plastic smile on and shaking hands with everybody. The church had better start learning to be real with each other. 
Because if we can't be real inside these walls, the church, the world doesn't want to hear that. One part of fake plastic Christians. And lastly, I wish a Christian would take me to his house, I mean, to his or her church. I really would like to visit a church, but I'm not particularly comfortable going by myself. What is weird is that I'm 32 years old and I've never had a Christian invite me to church in my entire life. Wow. It seems to me that non-Christians want to interact with Christians, doesn't it? I mean, that's the cry that I hear through those things. They really want to have life spoken into them. They want to see Christians' actions match what they say they believe. They want Christians to be real. And in one study, only 5% of non-Christians are antagonistic towards, uh, towards Christians themselves. Only 5%. And yet in our minds, most of us in this room, we would say, oh, those unbelievers, probably 95% of them just hate us Christians. Because that's the lie we've been told. Luke 10, verse 2 says, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send you into the harvest field. He needs workers. The president of LifeWay Research, Ed Stetzer, says many of us in the USA who identify as Christians do so only superficially. In fact, he identifies three ways people identify themselves as Christians. The first one, he says, there's those cultural Christians. They know that they're not Jewish, they're not Hindu, they're not Buddhist, they're not whatever some other religion might be, so therefore I am Christian. And a lot of those in the United States, we call ourselves Christian just because I'm American, so I'm Christian. In fact, many of the third world countries consider if you're American, you're Christian. Not true. Then there's the second group. Those are the church-going Christians. Someone who may attend church once in a while... They just show up on the doorsteps when they feel like it, they feel good, or there's not a football game or a kid's basketball game or a kid's soccer game, whatever. Hey, it's on our schedule today. There's nothing on Sunday. Why don't we go to church? The occasional Christian. And then the last one is the conversion Christians, those who had a transformational faith experience. There's a greater falling away of what we call mainline churches across the globe Because their faith has been merely going to a church somewhere that required little to no transformation. I want you to know that by the hundreds and perhaps even thousands, these, as we call them, mainline churches, are closing their door. Because people, even going to those churches, are sick and tired of going through a tradition that has no transformation in their heart. They're sick and tired of going through. Listen, why are they sick and tired? First of all, I believe because the Holy Spirit is beginning to stir things up. But secondly, I think they're feeling the pangs on the pressures of our culture. All of us are feeling that. We feel the dial being cranked up. We feel the tension getting tighter and tighter. You just drive on some of these highways and you see people flipping each other off just for the slightest thing on the highway. Why is that happening? Is because it mean-spirited people? No, because everybody's feeling the tension of the time God's winding the clock up and we're really close to the midnight hour when he's going to sound the call we're all feeling that 
And people that are in mainline churches are either walking away completely from faith or at least trying to find some place where the Spirit of God is actually moving and they can sense something in their spirit, man, that there's life there, that the love of God is flowing, that the presence of God is tangible there. And if we don't have it in this church, then God help us to shut the doors and go find someplace else. Yet there's this deep hunger among Christians to be spiritual, but not to be religious. Ed goes on to say, the future of Christianity in America (coughs) is not extinction. And I love this thought. Is not extinction, as some would think it would be, but clarification that a devout faith is what will last. Christianity isn't dying. Cultural Christianity is. And I say, thank you, Jesus. My spirit bears witness with that. Christianity can't die because he's coming back for a church. A Christ-like, Christ's blood-bought, sanctified church. He's coming back for that church. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on the watch when it happens. I want to be standing on the wall saying, Lord Jesus, I'm ready! I want to be prepared. I want to walk righteous. I want to walk holy. I want to walk upright. There's a large populace of young adults in growing Christianity. What an encouraging sign. Young adults, you go to most of the churches that are just blowing the doors out, growing leaps and bounds, and you'll see this influx of young adults. The largest percentage of people in those churches are young adults. My feeling is that we don't need more services at church. We need more service. More places to put our faith into action and build on what we have been taught. Some of us have been taught so much that we start gagging when we come to church. We can't take in anymore. We're too full with teaching. And listen, it's like a sponge. A sponge can only handle so much. Until that sponge is squeezed and something comes out of that sponge, it doesn't have capacity to put it anymore. And I believe most of the Christians in our churches today have been taught and taught and taught and taught and taught, but they've never squeezed themselves out somewhere. They've never gone to someone who is desperate for just one of those drops to come out of that sponge. Oh, they're just thirsty. They're hungry. They're dying for life. And you have it. And they're just waiting for you to give it. And we haven't done a good job at that. So over the past several years, we've been looking at what we do here at Christian Life Church and asking the Lord to help us be more intentional about developing disciples rather than developing church attenders. They should be one and the same, but we're seeing a disconnect between the two of those. There are some churches today that are growing in leaps and bounds by preachers who are preaching to to tickling ears Tickling and, and, and have, have this, this message that's all puffy and fluffy and feel good and, and, and it's, it's, it's all wonderful. And yet the people living in the churches are an inch deep, as shallow as can be. And I fear, I fear for that kind of church. Vision for Christian Life Church. Proverbs 29, verse 18. The scripture tells us where there is no vision, 
where there is no redemptive revelation of God. Notice those, the phrasing of those words. God's redemption is always that it would bring about uh, a, a revelation of who he is. God's not just in buying things back and putting them on a shelf somewhere. He wants to put his glory within them. He wants his presence to be in them. Where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish or the people cast off restraint. They become weird and wild and and crazy and, and even immoral. It's why we can have men in this day and age stand behind the pulpit and proclaim immoral lifestyles as though it's okay. And God somehow gave a license to that. It's why we have so many pastors around the nation who are living in adultery and then uh, when they get exposed, they simply leave that church and go pastor another church and it's okay. They cast off restraint because they're living a life of simply chasing after God and not having a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. But he who keeps the law, blessed, blessed is that one, the one who's chasing after the heart of God, the one who has the law of God God written on his heart. Here at Christian Life Church, our motto is, I'm going to start with the first phrase, and I want as many of you as possible, Ken, please don't put this on the screen, all right, because I don't want them to cheat. And and I want to do this intentionally. I want us to, I want you to, Finish the phrase, because I want to know how many of us are on the same page. How many of us are really hearing what we've been saying over the last year or so. Here at Christian Life, we love God. And the next one is? And the next one? Wow, I'm really impressed. I was hoping it would be that good, but I wasn't sure. So here at Christian Life, we do what? We And we... And we serve with passion. Let's unpack that a little bit this morning. I want to break down for us again this morning so we can have clarity in why we do what we do and move in alignment our ministries so that we're all having the same purpose and the same focus on what's important. Simultaneously, we've tried to be more efficient with our resources as we're developing disciples wanting to be more efficient with our resources. And we took a hard look at a lot of the ministries that are going on here inside these four walls. And we've made some really, what I consider, really hard choices in the last, last few years. Choices that hurt some people. But I, as a, as a pastor, as a leader, sometimes you've got to make the hard choices. And sometimes it hurts. Ultimately, I'd rather obey God and hurt man than appease man and offend my father. Can I say that? And I just want you to know that's the truth for me. I, as a leader, I have to do that. And if my leadership is offending you somewhere, then you can come to me and talk to me. And if it's still offensive to you, it's okay. There are other places in the body of Christ where you can serve. And I'm not telling you to get out of here. I'm just saying that that's the truth. Sometimes, and you you can't get under the vision, there's another vision you need to find. And that's okay. I'm not here to build big numbers. I'm here to bring people to Jesus Christ and make sure we're all serving the same God. 
And all I can do is serve and lead the way God's gifted me to do that. There may be other pastors that would better lead you somewhere, and that's okay. I'm a big enough boy that if you leave, I'm okay with that. And I'm really okay if you stay, because I'd love to have you on the journey with us. I know some time ago we noticed that our teachers were really getting exhausted. We had some teachers doing Sunday school and some teachers doing Rangers and Missionettes and they were wearing themselves out. Can't tell you how many times over the course of the years that we just heard um, lots and lots and lots of teachers going by just exhausted and just uh, blown out of the water because they're just, you know, living a life and, and raising families and, and working and all that and then they come here. And, and, and I just kept hearing that over and over again. Our Rangers and Mission Nets program is as wonderful as they were. I just noticed that there was this slow, slow impending. They were winding down and always having a hard time getting leadership and I knew something needed to change. We were spending lots of money on uniforms and materials and dues and even our bulletins. We looked at our bulletin like uh, we started noticing that people would say, hey, I, don't, I didn't know that was going on. Well, it was in the bulletin. Well, I, I didn't read the bulletin. Oh, okay. And we heard that a lot, by the way. And so every Sunday we were giving out 150, 200 bulletins. So there's a lot of money being printed in, not to mention the time that Brenda and other people had to put into putting that bulletin together. So we reduced the cost of bulletins and we started printing our own bulletin instead of buying prefab bulletins, which saved us a lot of money. I think Pastor Nate and some of the staff came up with a beautiful bulletin. And now we just place them on the table. And I don't know how many we make, but it's a lot less and if you want a bulletin, it's there. If you want to know what's going on, it's there. You can just simply pick up a bulletin. You can find out what's going on. It's really that good. If not, we put all the announcements up on the screen every week. It's all there. If you're reading anything, you should see what's going on here in the church. So there shouldn't be a reason why you didn't know what was going on. But just financially, it was a good thing for us to do. And our class space was getting kind of out of control. And um, uh, so we, we asked the Lord just to help us. And we made some changes. And I'm thankful for the changes that we made. Our, our food pantry, um, we expanded that into two rooms, one for the storage room, one for the pantry itself. And now we've opened up a third room. Now we have clothing available to people in our church so that they can come in and not just get fed, but also have, have uh, clothing available to them as well. So I want to look at the three things, love God, love people, and serve with passion, and then we'll uh, try to unpack these a little bit in just a few moments here. Love God. 2 John 1.6 says this, And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Luke 10.27, Love the Lord your God with all of your... And with all your... And with all your, and with all your, that sounds pretty complete, doesn't it? Literally, you ought to exhaust yourself in every area of your life loving God. And I've noticed when we do that, that Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden's light. That it doesn't exactly become exhausting, it becomes exhilarating. It becomes life-giving to us. And then he goes on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. We do this individually by pursuing Father God with all that is in us. We love God. I have to do it individually. I can't come to church and expect Pastor Bev to pump me up in our breakthrough time. I can't come to church and expect Jane to pump me up in the worship time. 
I can't come to church and expect Pastor Joe to pump me up because I can't, can't do that. I need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ personally so that when I come here, I'm not sucking the life out of the leadership. I'm breathing life into them. Nothing is more exciting, and I know Jane would agree with this and Pastor Bev would agree with this, when we're in prayer and we don't have to pump people up to pray, but there's a volume, there's, a, there's an orchestra of prayer that happens in this room. Pastor Bev would walk out of here thinking, oh God, you're touching your church, it's exciting. And Jane would love it nothing better than to have a worship time when she starts playing the notes on the keyboard. People come to their seats and immediately start worshiping God, singing praise. We don't have to say, come on, people, stand. Come on, people, clap your hand. Come on, people, raise your hand. Come on, people, lift your voice. We don't, we don't, if we don't have to do that. But listen, if we have to do that, that's kind of draining. Can I just be honest with you? And if I'm up here preaching and some of you are more content about a little baby in the middle of the room than the preaching of the word, that's draining for me. So bring life. You ought to bring it with you. If I'm not doing it privately, it diminishes my expression publicly. We have one main service here that the whole church can come to. We call this time right here a celebration service. This was intended to be not just another religious service, but a time when you and I come together after having served all week long in the kingdom of God, doing things that he places on our heart, doing all of those things, serving all of those ways, we come back and we celebrate here what God did Monday through Saturday. And we can't wait to get back together to say, hey, guess what happened? God used me to do this and God used me to do, I was at the workplace and I was able to do this with the power of God and I was in the grocery store and the Lord laid this on my heart and the Lord should just be working through us all week so when we get together, we can come here and just love on God because Daddy's been so good to us all week long. That's what this service is all about. It should be more of a festive time than a feeding time. If you come here on Sunday morning and you're starving spiritually and you say, preacher, Feed me. Shame on you. Shame on you. And I week after week ask the Lord to give me a word from heaven for you. But if that's the only word you're hearing all week, listen, listen to this for a second. If all you had was one meal a week, how would you be feeling? And why would you expect to do that spiritually? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. So there's some issues, some areas of our life where we've got to be loving on God. Love Him at home. Where's your devotional life and all that? So we come together to love Daddy. And our breakthrough time, by the way, is one of those expressions where we just get, I love Purcell. Purcell gets here while the worship team is practicing. He has his own Jesus time. I mean, I just get blessed watching Purcell worship the Lord. 
He has this stomping thing that goes on. I don't know quite how he doesn't feel pain in his legs, but he'll get in here and he'll just dance himself happy. He just does this like for hours on this cement floor. He just goes off and speaking in tongues and he's banging into chairs. He's kind of like, you know, going all... He's just in his own world worshiping God. If you go visit Purcell, that giant, while he's working, you're going to see Jesus in Purcell. Because he didn't wait to come here to get filled up. He's filled up where he's at. So we come to love God. And the second thing is we love people. 1 John 4. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Discipleship is more than learning about God. There's a practical side to it that causes us to minister to one another, to live it out, to express the love of God on a daily basis through our lives. So we have loving God, our celebration service, and we love people. We love people in various ways here at Christian Life. We love people, learn to love people. How many know some people you have to learn to love? We call them EGRs, extra grace required. Right? We all, we all have those in our life. I might be one of those for you. I don't know. Pastor, we're praying for you. Lord bless you. EGRs. We, we do this through life groups. I've been encouraging over the last couple of years to get involved in a life group, get involved in a life group, get involved in a life group. And I just want to say to all of you that are involved in life groups, thank you. Thank you for journeying with us. Thank you for making the effort because we're doing this together. We want the whole church to be going the same direction. And so we can do that if we're all doing the same thing. Life groups have been, in fact, if you've been involved in a life group, would you please stand? If you've ever been involved in, and went to a life group here at Christian Life Church, just stand. Look at that. Now, I don't know. Look around. How many, percentage-wise, how many would you say that is? 75, some are saying 90. From here, I would say almost 50. Yeah, I got a little better view. And I'm just saying, guys, we need to do better at that. We, we need to all be going the same direction. You say, well, I don't want to go to those life group things, whatever they are. I'm not a people person. Well, I, I can't even begin to understand that because I'm not that kind of person. I'm just liking to be around people, and so uh, I, I just don't understand. But I understand if you're not a people person, they're just those kind of people out there. But it's not about you. Okay, it's not about you. It's about the body of Christ. It's about us all growing to get to know each other. I'm tired of hearing, asking someone, hey, do you know uh, Susie Sunshine? Well, no, I've never met her before. Well, she sits on the other side of the church, right in the middle over here. I've never met that person. You know, we're not a thousand-member church. We ought to be able to know each other. And what's beautiful about life groups, if nothing else, is that you get to know some people that you didn't know. Let me ask this question. Those of you that are involved in life groups, how many of you have got to know something about somebody that you didn't know before you started life groups? Raise your hand. See that? It just naturally happens. We get to know things about each other that we didn't know before that. And so it's a good thing. Sitting in a sanctuary on Sunday is a terrible way to get to know someone on the opposite side of the church. But life groups, I'm telling you, are ideal. 
And of those who attend Christian Life, how many of you have learned that something uh, 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 about people? I just asked that question. How many of us learned something about somebody? We, we've all, if you've been in a life group, you've found something out about somebody that you didn't know before. And many of our life groups do an outreach project together. And I would encourage you, if you're here today and you're a life group leader, to find a way to be involved with this year's maybe Go Christmas, since it fits right into this trimester of our, our life groups. Take on a project for Go Christmas. Tonight is life groups, by the way. And as you're in your life group tonight, ask this question. What can we do to be part of Go Christmas? And let me give you some ideas. Go Christmas, if you don't know what that is, we'll be hosting a big event. We're expecting minimum 500 this year. This sanctuary, the seats will all be folded up. We'll have a, a clothing area in here. And we have right now Esther Snyder, God bless her, and Sandy and uh, Peggy Reed uh, have been coming in and folding clothes and getting clothes prepared. Some of you are bringing clothes in. Let me encourage you, bring only nice clothes. I think they only had one small bag this last time. Of, of stuff that they had to get rid of. So congratulations, God bless all of you. Some of you are bringing in new clothes. If you see a sale somewhere, ask the Lord, Lord, is this a sale you want me to participate in? Don't bust your budget, don't hurt yourself, but ask the Lord, if God says do it, buy some new clothes, two for one. Buy one for your kid and one for the food pan- or for the clothes drive that we're doing. But we're, we're, doing, we're gonna be doing that. This whole sanctuary would be clothing. Upstairs, we're gonna have round tables set up with cloth, tablecloths on them. We're not gonna do... Uh, plastic wear. We're going to do silverware in China. We're having families in the church. We did this last year. Bring your set of China. Would you be willing to let your, your mother's heirloom break for someone if they would come to know Jesus? When you die, the heirloom's going to stay behind. When you die and that person gets saved, they get to go with you. Listen, pay it forward. So bring your china, set up, you could adopt a table and set up a table. And some of the ladies last year, man, they decked these tables out. I just walked in, I was like, wow, that's beautiful. It looks like something out of a magazine. They were just gorgeous. Maybe your life group could adopt a table. We're going to have not just hot dogs and hamburgers, because I remember one, one of the families last year said, oh, I thought maybe you were just serving hot dogs and hamburgers. We did a full-blown meal. Turkey stuffing, I mean, it was, it was off the chart. It was awesome. And we had people waiting on the tables, serving drinks. Had this beautiful atmosphere of music playing and decorations upstairs. It was awesome. This year, we're adding a toy room. And those of you who are out shopping and you see some good deals on toys, purchase them. We don't want used toys. We want new toys. Jesus didn't give you a used salvation. He gave you a new salvation. We want new toys. So you could adopt a table. You could assist with kids in the gift room. You could help wash dishes upstairs because once those people sit around that table and eat off that china, the china has to go in the kitchen. Somebody has to wash it. They've got to put all the same forks together, all the same, you know, because they all have their special design. All the plates, stack them together. Whoever's hosting that table, they take the dishes. Now they're dried and clean and they set the table again because there's another family coming. And that happened a lot last year. I can imagine it's going to be twice as much this year. Um, preparing food. We need some people in the kitchen. Help decorate upstairs. Parking lot attendants. I imagine it's going to get kind of crazy parking cars around here. Greeters. Someone just at the door. Not like this. Hey, glad you're here. 
So glad you're here today. Thank you for being our guest of honor. Come right on in. I need some people who will direct people throughout the church because we're going to be moving them. We're going to start with a meal upstairs. They're going to come down. They're going to come through one of these doors here. We're going to let them get their food, I mean their clothing, and then we're going to go right to the, the gift room so they can get a gift for the kids and, and then escort them out. But when they first come in, we're sitting them in groups of 30 to 50 and we're presenting the gospel, very first thing. I don't want them to get distracted with all the other stuff. Number one, Jesus Christ will be proclaimed. The gospel, can you imagine what better time of year to present the gospel than Christmas when the gospel came to earth? When Jesus came to earth to bring salvation to mankind, we want to preach that gospel. In fact, we were planning on having one room, Pastor Nate, this week as I was praying, I think the Lord said we're going to have a couple of those rooms, so we need to start thinking that direction. We're going to run out of room here pretty soon. Let's just sell this place and go somewhere bigger. Because the Lord's going to start doing some crazy things in our midst. But we're gonna ha- I need some people who can share the gospel through the Christmas story. And we're going to need Bibles and tracts, something I just thought of as I was praying the other day, that Bibles and tracts. Some of you have the wherewithal to buy some Bibles, some tracts for adults, some tracts for kids who accept Jesus Christ. Love God, love people, and lastly, serve with passion. I want to tailgate off of what I just shared. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Do it heartily. Where are you serving the Lord? Straight up question. Where are you serving the Lord? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? It doesn't have to be in these four walls. I understand that. And just because I don't know what you're doing doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. But my question is not that. My question is, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? And where are you serving in the body of Christ? Mark 10, 43. Whoever wants to become great among you must first be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be literally a slave of all. We start thinking that we're somebody really special and can't serve. I hope, as your pastor, I have never presented myself that way, that I'm the pastor, I can't do that. I've cleaned some of your nasty toilets. I've vacuumed many carpets around here. I've climbed ladders and changed light bulbs. I'm not saying that to toot my horn. I'm just telling you that there's no position in the church where you're the head honcho. We're all called to serve. Someone says, who's, who's the leader of this church? There's only one answer to that. His name is Jesus Christ. I'm just a sheepdog. And the rest of us are on the same page. As we become disciples, our ultimate example is Jesus Christ. And he modeled for us what it means to serve. He served until the very last breath of his life. And he continues to serve as an intercessor in heaven for us. The usual adage is 20% of the people do 80% of the work in any church. And I just want to say that cannot be the status quo here at Christian Life. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ. There's a passage in Corinthians that talks about, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, that talks about the giftedness and everybody has their own place and their own thing to do. Maybe you're here today and you want to get involved 
but you're not sure where, you're not sure how? Great questions. First, let me say that there are some positions here in the church that you need to be a partner of the church to do, and specifically leadership positions. I'm probably not going to have you in a leadership position teaching adults if I don't know about your relationship with Jesus Christ and your spiritual maturity. Not to say that you're perfect, just that you have a maturity in the Lord, you have an understanding. Partnership someday is coming up, by the way, in November, and if you'd like to become a partner, you can simply do that by calling a church office. Brenda, would you please stand way back here at the foot of the cross? My humble secretary, always at the foot of the cross. Um, our administrative assistant, Brenda, she will field those calls. She'll set up an appointment if need be with me. You'll talk with me, and, and we'll, we'll start that process. But when it comes to leadership, we need to know that we're all on the same page with what we teach in the direction of the church. I can't just have anybody come off the street and say, hey, pastor, I want to teach a class. You know, I need to know kind of where you're at, and that just makes common sense, doesn't it? And secondly, if you're going to be, definitely not you, Scott, um, if you're going to be working with or around our children, or a youth, uh, you will need to have a, a background check. That's just standard procedure in any ministry or any organization that deals with children. It's not because we're trying to sneak and see if you've got anything hidden in the closet. We just simply want our kids to be safe. That's our motivation. I'm not going to have someone in, in these classes that are going to harm the, the young vessels that we've poured life into over the years. I've seen too many wrecked lives, and it's not going to happen in the four walls of the church. I know people who have been scarred for their, for their lives because they've been abused by somebody in the church. And God forbid that happens here at Christian Life. We take that seriously. Let me identify some areas where you can potentially get involved. Every year we do what we call Go Local. Last year we went to a, a, um, uh, a laundromat. We brought laundry detergent with us. We brought quarters. We paid for people's laundry, helped them fold laundry. We just kind of got intimate with people, and we had a great time. We built relationships out of that. Out of that, we did a um, uh, baby shower. Thank you for a young girl. uh, 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 She wasn't even married, I think 16 years old, and she was pregnant. And we did a baby shower for her and just showered, blessed her. She and her mom showed up to church here not too long ago. And we continue that relationship with them. Some of the ladies are still in contact with her. So go local. We, every year we do some kind of project like that. Get involved, um, whatever that might mean to you. And then go far. Uh, we're, we're trying to do missions trips um, every other year at, at best. Um, we've been all over the world from, from here at this church. And if you've never been on a missions trip and maybe that scares you a little bit, go with a group of people. It makes it fun. And I promise you, missions trips will change your life. And uh, you say, well, I don't have the money. Everybody I know that goes on the missions trips doesn't have the money. But as a team, we, we, we raise the funds, and it always, it always comes out. In fact, when we went to Japan, I think, Jane, God, like, blessed way over the top. We were able to bring cash with us and buy sound, sound equipment for the church there that we went to, to minister in and teach. And so... Uh, Get involved. Don't let the financial part of missions trips scare you. Um, And go to another country and you'll eat strange and weird stuff and be glad to come back to have hot dogs and hamburgers in America. And then we're doing the Go Christmas. We just talked about that. That'll be happening here in just a couple months. Get involved. Missions in our church. Missions is a big part of our church. We used to have flags that lined the whole sanctuary here. We're trying to come up with a creative way to do some flags in the sanctuary without having it uh, kind of in 
suffocated us with all the flags and, and they were beautiful. Uh, we're looking, asking the Lord to help us do that. But it's not about the flags. It's about touching people around the globe. And, and we, you know, some people can go. We have that whole room back there. We call it our missions room, that one that's lit up. There's missionaries there. I can't go to those places. You can't go to those places. But God spoke to somebody's heart and said, I want you to go. And they were willing to give everything up, all of their securities here in America. Some of them going to some really hard places in the world. We were just with Bob Holloway, who was in the, uh, the Amazon jungle uh, with, with you, know, I mean, you know, the people with the little skinny diapers on and running around with naked women and stuff. He ministered to those kind of people. And that's my, my kind of missionary. Um, and, and God just, just blesses them and blesses them. And so we, we're, we can't go to those places, but we want to bless them. I didn't mean that weird as it sounded. I just, I just, I just like missionaries that are getting out there and getting it done. And then we have uh, a ministry in the church called Bountiful Blessings that, um, and I don't see Darlene. Darlene, are you here? And, and uh, I don't think she is here. Um, uh, our food pantry is open every week from 9 to 12, 9 to 1 o'clock or so. And we have people come in here every week getting food out of our food pantry. And we have a team that goes to Harrisburg and gets stuff out of the food pantry up there and brings it back. Uh, we have clothes across the hall from that. And I want to just tell you that those people working in Bountiful Blessings, they are the funnest people to listen to. I love to leave my door open on Thursday because Darlene is like a great big sugar mama. You know, you hear her when the door opens. Oh, sweetheart, it's so good to see you. And she's just loving. I mean, they just love oozes out of her for hours. I mean, I'm getting exhausted listening to her love on people. And she just, and she knows all of their stories. It's not just superficial for her. And, and she'll pull me aside. I'll come down sometimes and shake somebody's hand. And she'll say, yeah, this, this person right here, they're going through some hard things. They just lost a baby or she just lost her husband. Or She knows what's going on in their life. It's not just handing out food. She's ministering to people every Thursday. Maybe there's some way you'd like to help out in that. The clothes across the hall from there. Maybe somebody could come in and help tidy that up or bring bring some new clothes and whatever. But I thank God for that ministry. Chosen Generation and Zone 1014, our children's ministry here. We moved some of our children's ministry on Wednesday night out of the building. We went to the school down the street at Hamilton School. And now we've got kids showing up there saying, hey, what's going on? Can we be part of this? And, and before you know, we've got kids getting saved that are coming out of homes where their mom is a prostitute. We're coming out of homes where mom and dad are doing drugs. They're telling these things to our, our, our staff down there that are teaching them. And they break into small groups ministering intentionally to hurting kids. And I want to tell you some of the stories that they're, of kids that they're ministering to. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to hear those gut-wrenching stories. But God's moving in, in our zone 1014 down the street. And our chosen generation right now, while we're here in this room, there are people upstairs ministering to all of our children. And the nursery down the hall, same thing. Those are places you can get involved in. Our missions boxes, we put together boxes just about every year. And we've sent them with Samaritan's Purse this year. I think we're going to do, Lisa, we're going to do more local stuff. Going to combine that with Go Christmas and, and combine it. By the way, I don't know if, did I, did I share the story? Uh, we went to, we saw somebody from United Way, and I was telling her kind of what we were doing with, um, with our Go Christmas. And she says, you know, I think I have something that can help you. And I said, what's up? She said, well, um, Ingram Books put together thousands of bags with shampoo, razors, face cloth, soap. What else am I missing? Conditioner. Just all kinds of toiletry items in a beautiful bag. 
handle on it and everything. And she said, I have about 500 of those. You could use those for Go Christmas. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. See, listen, listen, listen. God says, you do it. Sometimes we say, well, well, God, we can't do that. We don't have the resources. God says, you just step out. You just step out. Once you step out, once you put faith in action, then you leave the rest up to me. Because where God guides, he does what? He provides. And he, he stands true to that. And so that was just one small way. Last year we had like all the turkeys provided for us. Someone paid for that. And Sunnyway did all the turkeys. It was deboned and everything. And all we had to do is show up and keep it warm and feed people. That was awesome. We didn't have to make that happen. God laid it on somebody's heart. I'm simply trying to say these are places you can serve. And whatever God speaks to your heart. All of us can't do all of these things. But some of us can do one of them. And that's all God, that's all, all I'm doing is throwing them out there. It's a smorgasbord this morning. You ask God what's on your heart, what he's put in your heart to do, and you chase after that because we serve with what? With passion. If you're not passionate about it, take your hands off it. Nothing worse than somebody serving with a lack of passion. I gotta go teach those stinking kids. Oh man, don't, don't teach my kid. <laughs> I don't want that attitude in my home. You know what I mean? But when I hear a Teacher going down the hall, can't wait to be with the kids. Ah. That's the kind of person I want teaching. Host a life group. Oh, by the way, besides missions, you could support missionaries. Just financially. Hey, $5, $10, $25 a month, whatever. Find a missionary that you like. And and there's pledge forms back in that room. They're blue. Take one. Let our missions coordinator. Lisa, would you stand? Lisa's our missions coordinator. Everyone that's on the missions committee, would you stand that are here? You're on the missions committee? Yeah, these are the people that are involved in our missions here in the church, and you can see them if they want a way to get involved with uh, missions. Got that coming up. Host a life group. Some of you saying, well, I'm, I'm too shy to do a life group. I can't talk and all of that stuff, and I don't, I'm not even spiritual. I don't know how to, to facilitate a life group. That's okay. Maybe you've got a big, beautiful home with lots of room, and you'd like to have some people in your house. Generally, people with big, beautiful homes are great hostesses, too, by the way. So that's all we need is someone to open your doors, and we'll supply the facilitator. The person will come in and simply use your house and thank you every week for getting your house clean. Listen, all of those people that do life groups, what they have to worry about is, is they've they're, they got to get the lesson together and how they're going to do it. But then, you know how it is. You've got to clean your house because you've got company coming. You know, every other week, all of us life group leaders are running home and getting the house and tidying things up because someone's going to come out. We want to make them think that we're, we're decent people. And the reality is the rest of our week, our houses are a mess, right? We've got to clean it all up. So listen, if you could just do that part and somebody could host it at your house, that would be a cool thing. And if you want to do that, see me. It'd be awesome. Um, another thing is Chase, our youth ministry years ago. Um, uh, the Lord just kind of birthed this ministry where some of our, our youth sponsors, our youth leaders, in fact, you're, if you're here today and you're a youth leader along with Pastor Nate, why don't you stand? If you're involved in that at all. And I know there, there are many others that are not here. And these, these leaders weren't content with just coming on Wednesday night and talking with the kids. They wanted to meet them during the week. 
They'd take them out to Starbucks to go to a restaurant somewhere and hang out with them. Get to know them. Pour into their lives and hear some of their hurts and their pains and be able to share life with them. But it began to get really expensive for them. And so uh, one, one gentleman in the church said, hey, I'd like to donate some money to the youth group. And we called it Chase. That's what the leaders are doing. They're chasing after the kids. They're not letting the kids come to them. They're going after the kids. How many know we have a generation that needs someone to go after them? And they're going after those kids. So maybe you can't be involved in youth ministry. You don't understand teenagers and all that stuff. That's okay. We got people who love them, love them, love them. They're smothering them with love. But they need maybe someone just to hand them some cash and say, hey, put this to Chase. You can put that on your envelope, your your tithing envelope. Just put Chase. $5, $10, $5, $10, and that'll go long distance helping them to minister to our kids. Our nursery, uh, as I mentioned earlier, going on just down the hall here. In fact, Jody, uh, Glennie, would you please stand? Jody, she's our, our coordinator for the nursery. Turn around so we can see how beautiful you are. If, if you would like to help in the nursery, Jody's the girl you can see. And uh, she will put you on the schedule. Maybe, maybe grandmas, you're here and you think, well, I... I I can't do all that changing diapers and stuff, but you know what? Sometimes when those little ones get crying, there's not enough hands to hold all the babies. And, and Grandma, you could sit in one of those rocking chairs. We'll give you the rocking chair. You're the queen in there. We'll give you the rocking chair. And you can just sit there all day long and just rock one of those sweet little babies and sing to them, talk to them about Jesus, pray over them, prophesy over those little babies. They're not too young to be prophesied over. Go for it. But Jody could use your help. Teaching Bible classes to children. Um, Dan Vinoy. Is Dan here? Dan was playing the guitar. Dan, where you at? He had to leave early? Okay. Dan Vinoy is in charge of our, our Sunday school and, and teaching. Um, Jane Carlson, uh, choir. Jane stands. She's our worship director here at the church and also our financial, if you want to... <clears throat> Choir's going on right now. If you want to be part of choir, we do that um, occasionally here at the church, um, depending on what we feel the Lord's directing us to do. And um, so, Jane, we're, we're doing some Christmas stuff right now, some fun stuff. Some of the words in these songs are awesome. You want to see Jane. Some landscaping. Some of you like to mess with flowers and stuff. Uh, we have a board member that oversees all of that out, outside, but really our board members, in many of their cases, have a heavy portfolio and are really, really busy. Um, and so we, we could use someone outside that every week would just come or every other week you you keep you let that be your baby you show up here on Sunday and you look at the flowers and say "Ooh, that one's looking kind of nasty needs to be trimmed back whatever and you come anytime you want during the week and you trim it back listen I will notice that I'm I'm one of those guys that notices every little detail and uh, when I come and I see something in place or out of place I notice it I'm the guy I'm the guy that notices the piece of paper on the floor all the time and some of you walk right over that, you don't even see it. But I, I'm, just, I'm just wired this way. I'm weird that way that I just notice all the little, I probably drive my wife crazy because I notice all the little details. But that's the way I am. So if you're a flower person and can do that, man, you would make me a happy person. I thank Karen uh, for sewing the flags for us out there. The flags are starting to rip. I noticed that. And I noticed one was missing. I mentioned it from the pole, but well, unbeknownst to me, Karen, on her own initiative, took that flag down and brought it home and sewed it for us so thank Karen Karen would you stand back there go ahead stand by the way Karen just started her own life group we're really excited about this one if you like to 
crochet or knit or sew or quilt or any of those kind of things. A group of ladies got together for the first time last week, and um, one of them is a teenage girl that already does a great job crocheting. She makes hats and scarves and all that stuff. But they're getting together, and they're just mentoring each other. And with that, it's not just getting together, and she says it's not going to be a gossip session, by the way. So if you're looking to go with a bunch of ladies, that's not the place to go. But you go there, and they're going to they're start doing projects for Go Christmas. They're going to start doing projects for the pregnancy ministry downtown, sewing blankets and quilts and things like that. So if you're wanting, if you're gifted that way, see Karen, and that'll be a blessing. Uh, greeters here at the church, um, we'd love to have some of you that are young, youthful, beautiful, and vibrant with a big smile and, and know a little bit about the church so you can direct people when they come in. Uh, ushers, uh, always looking for guys to take up the offering and uh, make sure it gets to the room and not your pocket on the way back. And... Um, and then I was really hoping to have more room for this one, but the Life Center, uh, two years ago, uh, the Lord laid the Life Center on our heart, and it started like this. We were, we were helping, uh, is Richard here? Richard, you're here. Richard, would you stand, if you don't mind? Uh, Richard lives on um, Frank Road. Thank you, you can sit down. Richard lives on Frank Road, and I have to pass his house every time I'm coming. And the Lord laid his house on my heart. And so as a church, we decided to take that on the project. We went to Richard's house and asked if there was anything we could do to help. And there were some projects around the house to help, and we, we were helping that. And one Sunday, as I was talking about that from the platform, I just had this sense in my heart. I said, I said something like this. God has given us this small project, and and in my heart I felt really like it was a big project, but the words came out, God's giving us this small project to see if he can trust us with a large project. And the words came out of my mouth before I really understood what I was saying, but when I said the word large project, the Lord gave me a vision of a corner of a brick building, and it was about four foot high corner of a building that I saw, and I don't know why, how I knew it was four feet. In fact, I don't think I ever measured the section of wall that's down there to see if it is four feet. But in my mind, my spirit man said it's four feet, and I knew somehow that it was attached to a really big building. When the service was over, one of our board members at that time came up and said, Pastor, I want to talk to you about that, that building you saw in your vision. I said, oh, cool. But before I could have him speak, my wife came up and said, have you talked to Alyssa yet? And I said, no, I haven't talked to Alyssa. So Alyssa comes, and they're both standing there in front of me. We're standing right here, and uh, so I'm, I'm down here. And so I said, okay, Jeff, tell me what, what you said. And he said, well, the Lord showed me the building. As you said that, the Lord gave me a picture. It's the building downtown on Queen Street, 3rd and Queen Street. And I said, wow, okay, that's cool, whatever. And I look over and Alyssa, and she can't even talk. Her makeup's all messed up. She's got black streaks down her cheek, and all she's doing is... <laughs> and eventually she squeaked out, that's what the Lord showed me too. And so that was the start of something. And um, Jeff Fisher... Uh, immediately got a hold of Glenn Dice, who was the owner of the building, and went downtown, and we had a tour through it. Since then, we've had people, had large groups of pastors that have taken through there, prayed over it, and asked the Lord. Many of the pastors in the, in the community are saying, yes, we need something like this. But this is what we sense the Lord's wanting to do. Um, and we, the Lord's wanting to position a kingdom building. By the way, Craig is doing something very similar to this. Um, but position a kingdom building where all of the nonprofit organizations in the community are under one roof. Uh, United Way, Pregnancy Ministries, Salvation Army, you, you name it, anything that's helping the needy in our community, bring them under one roof. And this is what I sense deep in my spirit that the Lord is saying to, to us, that we, we as, a, as a body of Christ, not just Christian Life Church, but as the body of Christ, need to have this building 
so that when everything drops out, as I mentioned earlier, that I really, I know, not just sensing, I know that it's going to happen. When it drops out, this building will be positioned as a model of kingdom rule that other cities and states around the United States, maybe around the world, will look at and say, that's a model. How did you do that? We need to have that in our city because it's maximizing the efforts and the finances of that local community to meet the needs in a, in a maximized way. And so there are just a ton of ministries that we're sensing the Lord's going to use out of that. Uh, one is just simply bringing them all together. Can you imagine all the nonprofit organizations we have in town, all the secretarial staff, all of the copiers and printers and scanners and all that? To every single one of them have to have that. Can, wouldn't it be neat if we all brought them together and they all used the same equipment instead of the thousands of dollars that are going through administrative cost and, and uh, all of the office supplies? And then instead of, listen, here at our church, we do a lot of benevolence. We help people every week. There's somebody we're helping, if it's not several people a week. Um, and, and so if we can't help them, we say, well, go to the Salvation Well, I already went to the Salvation Army. Then a Salvation Army, well, go to the other place. And we send these people that don't have gas to get here all over town trying to find some help when they desperately need help. Listen, if you've been in those shoes, you understand what that feels like. My wife and I have been there. We understand what that feels like to have nowhere to turn and nowhere to get help. There are just times in life where life hits you hard and you need someone to help you. And so can you imagine bringing them all together? People walk through the door. They have one or two receptionists. They take all your information on the computer, send that, that same sheet down the hall by way of internet to someone down the hall and they go down the hall and they get the same sheet in front of them that the receptionist had at the front desk so you're not having to tell your story 50 times around town anybody ever had to do that you go to all these organizations you got to tell the same story all over again how wonderful would it be we're talking about having after school care some tutoring we're talking about opening a food pantry there maybe a soup kitchen there's a there's an auditorium that seats 1100 Somehow when I think about that, I see an inner city church where the power of God is demonstrated. People's lives are getting healed and transformed. That people are swarming to this place because of God's power there. I just see it in my spirit. I can't tell you, I, I can't tell you enough what I feel in my spirit. I feel, I feel like Joseph. Do you remember Joseph when God raised him up, gave him the dream, and he was sent to Egypt to prepare for the famine? I feel in my spirit that I'm a Joseph for Chambersburg. I, I'm just feeling it. I just can't explain it to you other than that's what I'm feeling in my spirit. My first step was this past week. Pastor Nate got to go with me, and we met uh, Amy Hicks from United Way, and she gave us all those bags and began to set into motion. I'm on a journey now. I don't know how long I'm going to be pastoring this church. But I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. And God's going to use many of us in this room to be trendsetters for our nation, to establish beachheads in communities where the poor and the needy can be ministered to and needs met for the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me?